Welcome back to our website. These recorded sermons are provided by the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas. This sermon is a follow-up from about a week ago when I opened the book of James with you to consider how to develop your faith. And I made the point early in the New Testament, sufficient evidence for faith is provided, especially in the book of Acts, we are given good instruction about what to do to be saved, to begin the life of a Christian. In the epistles, good information is provided by the Holy Spirit about how to stay faithful to God and how to develop our faith. The book of James is a simple, practical book about being faithful and developing our faith. I brought up various points from James last time, about a week ago, taking us over into chapter 3 with some highlights from the book of James. I want to continue that in this recording, talking about how to develop our faith based on these instructions given by James. First, I want to take us to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. And I'm going to read verses 7 through 10. We're talking about how to develop our faith according to James. Chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. All right, if I were to ask any Christian, do you want to draw near to God? I believe with few exceptions, the answer would be yes, of course I do. I want to draw near to God. I need to be closer to God. Well, then the follow-up question would be how? How do you draw near to God? What specifically needs to happen? Well, that's where James is so helpful. Look right into this context to find out specifics that must be applied to draw near to God and then evaluate your present condition before God. Look at some of this in this passage. Verse 7 says, submission. Submit yourselves to God. The world doesn't like this. In the world, one of the popular dispositions is to assert yourself, to claim dominance over yourself and maybe others, to be afraid of submission to any authority, to shun authority, to cancel the concept of authority and let anarchy reign. But the truth of creation is we were made. We have a creator and he didn't make us to be independent of him. Submission means to think, speak, and live under the authority of the one who made us. We may excel in many things and learn and acquire many different kinds of skills and have amazing experiences, but that will all come to an end. To prepare for the end of life and to have a completely valuable life here, we have to submit to the Creator in obedience. Christ died for that to be possible for us. 
That is one of many tasks involved in submitting to the Creator through Jesus Christ. In fact, it is the most important task in life to submit to the Creator in obedience. And if my faith is not developing, I need to return to and restore the concept or mindset of submission to God. And back in that same context, resist the devil. This isn't something that happens automatically. I must make a personal determination and concentrate on this day after day. Resist is a military term. Know who the enemy is, know something about his devices, and stand against him. It doesn't mean to hide and never go out. It doesn't mean you can hire security guards to protect your faith. It doesn't mean you can just utter a few words of prayer and forget the devil's aggression. You have to go into every day with his rigid determination to resist him. And attached to this, the promise, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So as we put distance between us and the devil, we draw closer to God. One more thing in this passage about drawing closer to God is penitent humility. I want you to listen again to verses 8 through 10. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. This is such humility and submission to God. You quickly detect when you have walked out of line and you mourn. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. In humility, you see your error. You're drifting, and as you return to God, your joy returns as he exalts you. So, Here in James 4, this is about drawing closer to God, and in that determination and discipline, our faith is developed. All right, I'm back in the book of James. We're talking more about drawing closer to God, and I'm in chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a city, and spend a year there, and trade, and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time, and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So, Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Folks, one of the easiest things in life to do that delays the development of our faith is procrastination. I noticed this quote on social media the other day. Procrastination is totally a good thing. You always have something to do tomorrow, plus you have nothing to do today. Well, that contains an element of humor, but our God wants his people to be urgent and prompt 
about what is right and good. James tells the story of these men, businessmen who craft a business plan. Nothing wrong with that. It shows responsibility and foresight to have a plan and work that plan. The problem highlighted here is an absence of execution or urgency, captured by the phrase, today or tomorrow. The plan was good. The forecast was optimistic, but the delay in execution was the problem. James says to his readers, to this situation, and to us, you don't know what will happen tomorrow. And then James speaks of God's will that must be acknowledged in all our plans. One more thing he says is, all such boasting is evil. Then he takes us to application. Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. For me to really develop my faith, I need this sense of urgency and passion about doing what is right today, now, immediately. If we make plans that are good and right but delay in execution, the habit of procrastination can utterly, eventually ruin us spiritually. It has been said that procrastination is the thief of time. Here's another relevant prohibition, and this prohibition is part of developing our faith. James 5 and verse 9, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. I think you would agree today, over the past year or so, we've heard and seen a lot of grumbling. We live in a time when it seems like everybody has an opinion about everything and they feel very free to express it. And there are many ways to express yourself instantly and then react to disagreement, and often those conversations quickly turn offensive and insulting and hateful. The whole New Testament speaks with one voice, the voice of God himself, against hostility, hatred, ugly responses, and division. To avoid those kinds of occasions develops our faith. But let's look closer at this verse. Later, at the end of James, a passage I'll talk about next, we are told to bring sinners back from their sin, to make every effort to do so. We observe, we know someone who's wandered away from the truth, so we do what we can to bring them to repentance. These two passages do not conflict. When we attempt to teach someone and help someone spiritually, that isn't grumbling if we do it with meekness and care. The word here is not teach or reach or help, it is grumble. And I looked up that word. This means the use of words with no intent to inform or help, just complain, offend, or demean. Good examples of this are found in the Gospels where the opponents of Jesus spoke against him, not to help him or inquire, but to demean, offend, or another biblical word, murmur. When we do that among ourselves, we are not only not developing our faith, 
We are diminishing our faith and creating a climate where spiritual health is inhibited. Now, the opposite of this is be kind to one another with meekness and gentleness, clear but without being demeaning. That approach, that attitude develops our faith and encourages others to develop their faith. And how serious is this? The judge is standing at the door. Number four, bring sinners back. That's part of developing our faith. Bring sinners back. I want you to listen to James 5, 19 and 20. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save a soul from death and will cover a multitude of sin. Here's what I want us to think about. When we reach out to bring a wandering sinner back, we hope the sinner repents. But even if there is no repentance, we've acted with love and responsibility, and that develops our faith. The goal is for the wandering sinner to come back in repentance. We pray for that. We reach out with that in mind. But there is the will of the sinner that may not agree or respond or repent. That is sad. But still, we have acted with love and responsibility, and that develops our faith and could help others develop their faith. Faith equips us to know, to see, that a brother or sister has wandered from the truth. Faith enables us to know we need to reach out. Faith supplies the words we use. So in that effort, results are not on the part of the sinner. We're doing what love and duty demands. And when you do what love and duty demands, it always develops your faith. Listen again. My brothers, if anyone among you wonders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So James provides such rich and simple instruction about the activity of faith developing our faith, to draw closer to God and be united in love with God's people. Let me conclude with this. I've used this expression a lot, the activity of faith. Faith to many people is just something you believe, something you may refer to from time to time or talk about. In the Bible, faith is active, active in obedience, and if faith is active, it is so designed as to require development and growth. James' epistle leads us in that direction, the maintenance of the activity of faith. I'm going to close with this passage from James chapter 2. I hope you still have your Bible open. James chapter 2. I'm going to start at verse 14 and read down through verse 26. This is about the activity and therefore the development of our faith. 
What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Thank you for listening. We commend to you the word of God delivered by the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus Christ as the one who died for us to be saved from sin.